0: Hey there, birth nerd. You're listening to the birth worker podcast. My name is Kylie banks and I am totally obsessed with birth and equally obsessed with business. And this is the show where I help women turn their passion for birth into a sustainable, profitable, and most importantly, impactful career. All right, let's get into it. You're listening to episode 103 of the Birthworker Podcast, and today we have Michelle on the podcast talking about fat bias in birth and breaking the stigma. Michelle is someone that I've known for a couple of years. I first met her as I was creating Birthworker Academy, which is our doula training program, and I knew that I wanted to some I knew that I wanted someone to come Teach the students inside Birth Worker Academy about fat bias and fat stigma. And Michelle was the only person that I wanted to hire. She is just so amazing. So, Michelle is not only an amazing human and a mother, she is also an author. She is building an amazing business. And her niche, or the women that she specifically helps, are women in bigger bodies. And it is just so cool to see Michelle tackle the stigma behind being pregnant and in a bigger body, which is, which comes with a lot of stigma and a lot of bias. So super excited for our conversation today. If you want to connect with Michelle or purchase her book or follow her on Instagram or take any of her classes or just connect with her in any way, I'm going to put all of her links in the show notes. And then I will tell you a little bit more at the very end of how you can reach out to her. All right. Without any further ado, here is Michelle.
1: And my story really is not unique, which is the sad thing, you know, like it's actually, like, it's great that when people can relate, but then when it's relating on something like stigmatization or discrimination or being judged on your weight, like this is not something I want people to be able to relate to, but unfortunately so many people can. So yeah, I mean, my, like when we talk about origin stories, it's like how far back do you go? I'm going back to birth. Like, you know, Um, so I am a plus size person. Sometimes I call myself a fat person and I don't get upset or have any negative feelings about that. Maybe like I would have in the past, but my story really starts with me as a baby. And my mom took me to a six months well visit, you know, checkup, like People always do after they've given birth and you go to the, what is it? Three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, something like that. And I was a big baby, not at birth, but I was just, I was a thicker baby. And it was my pediatrician at that appointment who told my mom, you're, she's going to struggle with her weight for the rest of her life. I was six months old, (laughs) like, I was probably, you know, on the, on their growth chart, I was probably on the higher end or something like that. And based on my baby pictures and all the rolls I had on my thighs, I'm not disputing that. But my mother is someone who has always been very conscious of weight, has dieted her whole life. So for her to hear that at six, me being six months old, She probably had this, oh, shit, response, like, I'm really going to have to watch this kid, and the worst thing she can be is fat, because my mom had internalized so many of the messages around the 70s and 80s that people were getting too fat, so when this was said to her, and this is something I have talked to my mom about in depth, and I didn't ask her any of this. I don't even remember when it came up, we were talking about me as a baby. And she's like, yeah, that's when I knew that you were going to struggle with your weight. So, and that was basically a constant thread throughout the rest of my childhood was me always being viewed as being too big. And I've been aware of this since as early as I can remember. So some of my earliest memories are basically being compared to my older sister, who's a year and a half older than me and how we were wearing the same clothes, the same size clothes, even though I was younger than her. So I always felt like I was too big. I always felt like I was too much in basically all aspects of my life. I was too emotional. I was too outgoing. I was too, too big. And I would, it just, it was everywhere. And I carried that with me throughout my entire childhood, basically thinking that there was something wrong with me, and that I should be doing something about it. And I heard a lot of negative messages from my mom about her own body. And I know that's super relatable for people because that's a lot of times where we learn what our expectations of ourselves and other people. So, my mom is you know went to Weight Watchers meetings, and there were times when I went with because it was convenient, and. It was around 11 years old when my mom had me start doing Weight Watchers with her. So the whole point system, I remember the little paper pamphlets that they used to have at the time. And there were these little boxes, you know, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and these little tick boxes at the bottom where you could tick off how many glasses of water you drank. Like this is (laughs) burnt into my brain. And That's essentially where, like, I always thought there was something, this screwed up relationship with food, where I was tracking what I was eating, monitoring calories, doing all of that. And no surprise, every time I dieted, I would lose a little bit of weight, but then I would gain it back and get bigger than I originally had been. And this is one aspect of Weight cycling, which is also often called yo-yo dieting, which is very typical, is every time you lose weight and you regain it because most people do, and it's the diet's fault, not yours. I mean, I could talk about that, (laughs) talk about that for hours, but that's ultimately what happened to me, and I just kept, I kept getting bigger. Whereas, you know, now I'm approaching 40 years old, and there are definitely times when I think, Michelle. I wonder what size your body would be if you would have just left it alone, not done any dieting, and just listened to your body and your hunger cues and ate when, when you needed to. Because the reality is, is my mom totally freaked out around 11 years old because I put on weight because of puberty. And we also know that this is something the vast majority of people go through. So I just wonder, I just, you know, sometimes wonder, but yeah. So like my, my journey with pregnancy started not shortly after that. I got pregnant when I was 16 unexpectedly. And I had been living from 14 to 16 years old, really, really with some disordered eating. I would say I had atypical anorexia, which is basically my BMI wasn't low enough for me to be diagnosed, but I definitely was doing all of the behaviors that we would associate with being anorexic. So when I got pregnant, I was super thin, super frail. And I had a moment where I was really thinking like, no, holy shit, now I'm growing a baby. And I have to eat. And I went absolutely crazy because I had been restricting for two years. So I literally was eating everything and anything that I could get my hands on. And this is a phenomenon that's often called rebounding, where if you restrict and keep restricting, when you eventually allow yourself to eat, it can't, you can feel out of control. You can engage in more of this binge eating type behavior, which I definitely did. And I wish I had known <laughs> like all the things I know now, I wish I had known then. And I, and because of that, I gained like 80 pounds during my pregnancy because I finally gave myself permission to eat. And I ate variety of foods, but It was more than the handful of popcorn I was eating on a daily basis before. So, of course, that's how your body's going to respond. And at that time, there was no one, no mention of my weight and no mention of my weight gain. And I think that was because the main focus was this is a young single mom we have to support her and get the proper supports around her during this time. And my son's biological father chose not to be in the picture for basically any of the pregnancies. So I really was navigating that. And on my, when I say on my own, there's air quotes there, because I totally, my parents were amazing. And I always feel bad talking about how how my mom's beliefs about weight really impacted me in such a negative way because she is a wonderful person, right? I know her. I love her. I wouldn't trade her for anyone in the world, but there is this part of, of her belief system that really messed with me. But during my pregnancy, she was 100% supportive. I couldn't have asked for better support from my family at that time. So that's why I think weight stigma just didn't come into it because they were so worried about my age and not having that partner. So and that birth was not a great birth. There were more interventions. I was fairly ignorant about the birth process and the prenatal classes that I got were super surface level. Like these are this is the these are all the forms of pain relief. No talk about scenarios why they might suggest something, this is what Pitocin is. This is what it does, but that's as far as it went. So I went into labor, went to the hospital immediately. I wasn't progressing as fast as they wanted me to. So they suggested Pitocin. And even then I knew I wanted an unmedicated birth if possible. And I felt like I could really do it. But then that Pitocin kicked in and I was like... (laughs) Oh, it was just, I, it felt out of control. It felt out of control. And then I got some new bane, which as a 16 year old girl who had like not even smoked pot, (laughs) getting a, a medical grade narcotic was pretty intense to the point where it was really hard for me to keep my head up even. And I have lost. So much of that experience. So it is really typical after you give birth for things to seem a little bit cloudy or you don't remember some details. That's not what happened to me. Like I am missing huge chunks of time. So I don't remember seeing my baby being born. I have no clue how long I was pushing. What I remember from that birth are these like flashes that I basically tried to piece together myself. So While it wasn't traumatic, I definitely walked away from that going, how did I get from A to B? How did all of this happen? And again, I think part of the reason I wasn't as informed as I should have been, one, I think the staff were just on autopilot, but two, I was so young that I don't think I was taken seriously. So yeah, that that was my first birth, thankfully, no weight stigma there. And um, like afterward, I knew, like I was at that point, I was like, I'm not having any more babies until I find someone that I want to be in a relationship with. I want to be married. That's exactly what I did. And eight years later, I got pregnant with my daughter. And by that point, I was bigger. I was definitely a larger plus size person. And that's when I had my first encounter with weight stigma. And during that eight years, I was still dieting. I was still trying to lose weight. I still thought there was something wrong with my body. I still thought if I could lose the weight, I would be happier or life would be easier. Sometimes this is like referred to as body fantasies of like, if I would just have the body I want... (laughs) everything else will kind of fall into place. So I was still dealing with all of that. And when I got pregnant, I watched the business of being born and someone told me that you could have a home birth. And I started learning as much as I possibly could. This is when birth advocacy really kind of entered the picture for me because I looked back at my first birth and was like, okay, Now I understand how I got from A to B and why did that happen? So then I got angry (laughs) and that was my motivation to really try to do things differently. And originally I wanted a home birth and I made some phone calls to, I shouldn't say phone calls. I made one phone call to a midwife. And in my area at the time, I knew that having a higher BMI or being a larger person could quote unquote, risk you out of home birth. So I made myself vulnerable, called this one person and I said, Hey, I'm really interested in having a home birth. However, I know that because I'm a larger person, that may not be possible. I just wanted to see if I have any options. And she asked me what my height and weight was and which is already like vulnerable enough to say this over to the phone to somebody When you're not face-to-face and first 10, 10 seconds of your conversation. So I told her my height and weight. And her response was, wow, you are big. So unfortunately not, I'm not going to be able to help you with this. And I just remember getting off the phone, feeling totally horrible. And I explored no other options. I just automatically assumed, that's it. I can't have the home birth I wanted. I felt awful about myself and essentially i decided to like i really i really wanted the home birth and i even entertained free birth for a while <laughs> and it was my husband's first baby so oh, we chatted about hospital versus free birth with a doula because i had hooked up with a friend who also happened to be a doula that was just finishing her training and my husband was more comfortable with the hospital birth and we made a compromise where I said, okay, fine, fine. We'll do the hospital birth, but I definitely want a doula then. And I'm not joking when I say this, that is one of like one of my life's biggest regrets because I knew in my bones that that was a wrong decision. I did it because I suppose kind of the people pleaser in me and I was thinking, well, this is his baby too. But now I've totally changed my opinion on that, where I'm like, hey, it is our baby, but it is my body. I'm the one that's going to have to deal with the physical ramifications, the mental and emotional outcome of this. So again, like hindsight is always 20-20, but I knew that was a wrong decision. (laughs) So So yeah, like having a doula was amazing and she was a plus size doula. And I cannot tell you how much more comfortable that made me being a fat person, being supported by a fat person. And I had known, like we were in Girl Scouts together when we were five, I slept over at her house. So there were all these things that made her the perfect fit. And I had my hospital birth, it was better, but I left that experience going we can do better than that. (laughs) So I, yeah, so like I am a mom of five. So my third, fourth, fifth pregnancies are, we're all home births intentional, but that was again, where like initially with a midwife, I had that weight stigma. There were some comments toward the end of my second pregnancy, but overall it was okay, but I definitely laughed. And so did my husband, He said at one point, I will never ask you to give birth in a hospital again, because he was the one trying to protect the cave. And every time, like the obstetric nurse kept wanting to get me out of the shower to do a fetal heart trace and all of that. And he kept trying to like postpone these things and delay these things. And like, I got to the hospital at nine centimeters dilated. And it took me four more hours to give birth. And I know why that is, because I got to the hospital and I got so stressed out that things just slowed down and stopped and they got a lot more uncomfortable. So when I look back, I'm like, I really wish I would have gave birth in the car on the way to the hospital, because then that probably would have been my perfect birth. But (laughs) yeah, so it was it was a better experience. My third baby. Didn't experience a lot of weight stigma there because I was, I was sick during my pregnancy and losing weight. So I think that had something to do with it, but yeah, then I got pregnant the fourth time. So like all of this time, I was super passionate about birth, supporting friends who wanted more information or, you know, diving into the forums and all the different groups about birth advocacy. And I knew I was going to train as a doula. I just didn't know when, (laughs) because to be quite frank, I just kept having babies. So I was like, I just had a baby two years later when I finally felt like, okay, maybe I could do this doula thing, got pregnant, was sicker than hell and then didn't do it. And then I, yeah. So I, that pattern continued in my life and it was, I had my fourth pregnancy, fourth baby and had a beautiful home birth with really Super respectful midwives who didn't even weigh me. So there was no conversation about weight, none. There was no pathologizing of my body, none of that. And I had that beautiful home birth. And it was afterward I completely panicked in the postpartum phase because just every single pregnancy, I gained weight, even when I was sick. If I lost weight, I would gain weight at the end of my pregnancy. And during my fourth, once again, I gained weight and I was panicking about it because that's the message society gives us is you need to gain whatever recommended amount of weight you're told by your doctor. And if you go over that, you need to lose it during postpartum. And I was completely miserable following the birth of my fourth baby Because all I could think about was how am I going to lose this weight? And I went back to a lot of old habits of counting calories, counting macros, because then that became a thing. And there were different apps and things at that time. I was exercising to the point where I was causing pain for myself. Like it wasn't feeling good anymore. It was more along the lines of torture. And all of that time that I was focusing on weight and calories and movement, all of that is energy that I wish I would have put into just resting and recovering and focusing on my baby. So I was really struggling with that and to the point where I was getting on the scale every day, have I lost weight today? Getting on the scale maybe in the evening time, have I lost weight now? So it was really becoming a, to the point of up. Obs- Passive, and it was a random business training. So totally skipped over the fact that I tri- finally trained as a doula during my fourth pregnancy, didn't do anything until postpartum. So I want to say maybe when I was four or five months postpartum, had the doula training, had the certificate, all of that. And then I was like, okay, I actually feel like I'm ready to take the next step of doing the website and all those bits and pieces. And it was during that time, I was in some random Facebook group with women in business. And there was this lady, Jen, who introduced herself and was like, hey, my name is Jen. I'm an intuitive eating coach. And she shared her story, much like I'm sharing with all of you how She had struggled with body image, struggled with weight, struggled with eating with an eating disorder. And she essentially was helping people let go of those expectations and eat in a way that, like, returning back to intuitive eaters like, all babies are born intuitive eaters. They eat when they drink when they're hungry and they stop when they're full. So I chatted to her and worked with her and learned all about body positivity or body neutrality, started learning about fat liberation. And it sounds, sometimes I think it sounds totally silly, but it was, it wasn't even like a light bulb moment. It was like the sky opened up. (laughs) That's the only way I can describe it because it was like, oh my gosh, you mean I don't have to hate myself? Are you saying I don't have to count calories? are you saying that I'm a worthy human being, even if I'm the heaviest I've ever been? Like, it was just these huge monumental shifts. And it felt so monumental because I literally had nobody in my life ever say that to me. I didn't have a single soul who said, hey, Michelle, you know, like, you're perfect just the way you are. You don't have to do anything. There was none of that. If anything, there was the opposite of like, hey, I have this new diet thing. And I drank this, or I ate this, or I went keto and I, you know, all that kind of stuff that people talk about. And so it was a huge shift in my life. And that's when I stopped dieting. I started looking into body positivity, body image, and the anti-diet movement, all of those things. And essentially I found myself very passionate about two different things. And (laughs) I was like, how do you divide your attention between two things that you're super passionate about? You don't, you combine them. And that's ultimately what I ended up doing is I started looking at, you know, hold on a second, what's going on with plus size pregnancy. And I started looking at weight stigma overall, and then thinking, how does this apply to pregnancy? How are people being treated? And I started my Instagram account called fat and pregnant and it was really more or less just to document my experience and that journey because I like wasn't journaling so I was taking pictures and sharing information and then I got pregnant for the fifth time <laughs> it was documenting that pregnancy and I was prepared to make connections What I wasn't prepared for were all of the messages that came in saying, Michelle, I'm so happy that you shared this. I have felt so bad about my body for my entire life. And it's so refreshing to chat to someone who doesn't feel that way anymore or who has already taken those steps. And then more messages started coming in about how people were experiencing these really awful situations with their providers where. They were being told that their body, that their larger body was going to be too weak to give birth or being told that their 12 week, like their very first prenatal visit visit, that they might as well just have a cesarean because they're more likely to have all these complications, et cetera. And that flood of information and the stories that came in were so valuable because I think It really illustrated the scale of what other people were experiencing. And I had experienced so little of weight stigma during my pregnancy. And I think the primary reason for that was because I had two pregnancies where I was seeking obstetric care. My third pregnancy, I chose to have a free birth at home. My fourth and fifth pregnancies, I interviewed midwives and hired them and they were totally weight neutral. So I have not had some of the really intense experiences that others have had. However, I hear about it all. <laughs> you know, it ends up in my inbox or now that people know that I've niched into supporting mostly plus size folks, I've had more plus size clients. So I'm also hearing their stories of how they've really struggled, for example, to find a fertility clinic that would even support them if they have a bmi over 30 or 35 or 40 or whatever these completely ridiculous cutoffs are and folks that have had to deal with providers who are just flat out really weight biased and so for example just so i could give some like examples of what this actually is weight bias are weight bias is the negative beliefs and attitudes that people have accumulated over time about weight. And those could be about yourself and other plus size people. And then those beliefs and attitudes that we have can then move into behaviors. So that's where we get weight stigma, where a provider might say, because of your weight, I'm labeling you high risk. And now I have this long list of tests that you have to do. And it's not presented as an option. There's really not a lot of explanation. And that person is left sometimes, depending on how that conversation goes, feeling like their body is a problem or there's just all these risks that, you know, they're just waiting to crop up and to happen. So, and it can look various ways where another, a few other examples, like a provider who is saying, I need you to, you know, I want you to do the gestational diabetes test. And then that comes back clear, but then they have that person take it a second time or a third time or a fourth time because there's this belief of, well, all fat people are just going to develop gestational diabetes. It's just a matter of when. So there's a whole, there, there are some really vulnerable stories that people share with me. And sometimes I feel like they're more comfortable sharing them just because I'm a plus size person as well. But yeah, that, that's what really then led to my work essentially is I married these two things and then I started supporting parents one-on-one. So doing like one-to-one consultations. I'm also, I've also run a class several times, which Kylie, you know, this is getting a reboot. <laughs> so I'm doing that. And I also educate plus size professionals and have a training for doulas, midwives. I've even had nutritionists. I've had fertility coaches, etc. cetera, because this information is valuable. And I feel like we have collectively, the vast majority of birth professionals will 100% get on board with the fact that there is systemic racism within maternity culture. I go a step further and yes, yes, like absolutely. We need to acknowledge that. That is an absolutely important issue. And we also have to address the fact that there's systemic anti-fat bias within the medical community too. And that that has serious consequences for folks like sky high, cesarean rates, increased rates of induction, etc. So we have to consider and high like we also can't forget about mental health. Chronic stress during pregnancy and postpartum and thankfully now there's more and more research looking at these topics and that's what I bring to the table is I think back to my own doula training I remember there being absolutely zero mention of BMI And zero mention of how you may need to alter your comfort measures so they're more comfortable for plus-size folks. Or if you're teaching childbirth education, have you thought about what you might need to change so plus-size folks feel seen and heard and comfortable in that space? So I'd say the vast majority of trainings don't include any of that. (laughs) But again, it's getting better, but we have a long way to go.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like it's something that if you're a plus size woman and you're pregnant for the first time, yes, you've experienced that medical stigma your whole life. Like, let's be honest. But with pregnancy, a lot of times people get sucked back into the like, you know, I'm scared. So I'm just going to do what my doctor says. Pregnancy is hard. Pregnancy is scary. Birth is Horrible, like this most horrible thing in the world. Like the movies make it seem horrible. So let me just do what my doctor says and let me just go take that hospital birth course or let me not even take a birth course because why would I need one? And so I I hate to see people almost looped back into that, even if there's someone who lives like you know, kind of autonomously and in their power. Birth and pregnancy is sometimes something that almost loops people back into that status quo. And I, I just want to make it really clear that that is not serving the plus size community at all. <laughs> like, at all.
1: No. And I totally agree with you. And I totally see it. And I think it's easy to kind of fall back into that. If you, I love to compare diet culture and maternity culture <laughs> because. Diet culture tells fat folks or plus size folks like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. The reason you are bigger is because you're not eating the right things. You're not moving your body in the right ways. You're not getting the right nutrition. You are doing something wrong. So you don't know what you're doing. I'm the expert. So I'm going to tell you what you need because you don't know. What do we hear in maternity culture? The exact same thing. You don't know anything about birth. You're not an expert. I'm the one with the medical degree. I'm going to tell you what you need. The conversations are almost the, the exact same. And I think diet culture really does this preparation. And then, so then you move into, you get pregnant and you move into the maternity system. And if you've never questioned that status quo before, it's the exact same thing where now you're listening to a expert in the birth, you know, air quote expert in the birth field who also has their own agenda, right? They have protocols, they have guidelines, they're answering to higher ups, especially within a hospital system, but midwives may also be. And that of course, impacts the recommendations and suggestions that they make. So I may be a little bit more radical (laughs) in, in how I think, because I come from a perspective, like we need to question everything. We need to question everything. And we also need to just accept that, and this may sound super simple, but you are the only person who's been living in your body from birth. You are an autonomous human being. You get to decide how you eat, how you move your body, what health behaviors you want to engage in and what you don't. And it's totally fine. Whatever you pick up and whatever you decide to do, that's totally fine. You're absolutely a worthy human being. You should be respected and receive dignified care. The same holds true within the medical system. Mm -hmm. You get to decide what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. And you should be respected and still receive that dignified care. So, and there's no harm in questioning. Just taking a look at the full picture and asking yourself, what feels good for me right now? I am the expert of my own body and I get to decide. And I think there's something really beautiful in that too, because I I feel like we're less likely to look back and say, I wish I would have done something differently or maybe things, those what ifs I don't think crop up. As much. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree. agree. This is going to be one of my favorite, favorite podcast episodes I've ever done in my entire life. You've completely re-inspired me. (laughs) I, uh, we were lucky enough to have to, to hire Michelle to come in and do a little lesson inside birth worker Academy. And it's so funny because it's only, you know, it's only a 90 minute lesson. So it's only the tiniest, tiniest tip of the iceberg of what she actually teaches before you jump off, could you explain again just a little bit about how you can help birth workers, other people who work in the the just any capacity in the birth community, what you have for them to help them almost tackle the, the stigma and, and their own personal biases, too, um, against people in bigger bodies?
1: That's a big piece of it. So I suppose the simplest way that I can help is if someone has a childbirth education course, or they're meeting with their clients, or they have an ebook or whatever product or service that they have, if they're working with people in the community, they're going to be coming in contact with plus size folks. I mean, this is guaranteed. People are getting bigger, not smaller. It's just how things are moving. And so the first thing I am more than happy to do is like, look at people's content. Do and just I'm, what I'm looking for is what language are they using? Are they using stigmatizing language? Are they making space and being representative of like if you have an ebook and you have no pictures of plus size people, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I look at people's content and give them suggestions, and so they can be more size inclusive. And then secondly, I have my training, which is two three-hour days, and I'm not going to lie, it's pretty intense because we do start at the fo- the very foundation of what is diet culture? How does it impact our personal beliefs? How does that impact how we think about ourselves and how we view other people? And then we go into, as a birth professional, these are all the things that you have to consider when you are supporting people of size. And It can be really hard to do this work because we all have different biases. So we're unearthing those and shining a light on them. And sometimes that can bring up some feelings of like, oh, my gosh, I've made some mistakes in the past. and All of us have but and acknowledging that and then saying I'm deciding to do something different and do something better. So I'm also a research nut. So like all the research is in there. We go over induction, cesarean, we go over looking at the effects of weight stigma and pregnancy. And then we go over like all the practical things. So yeah, I absolutely love the training and I've gotten some really great feedback about it too, and I have people from all different background all different backgrounds, different countries that I've registered. so it's it's insightful and it's a it's community which I also love. And then people get on my directory so if people because that's one of the biggest things is people will come to me but they're living in California or Arizona. That's not where I am and I'm happy to work with them virtually if they want to. But if they want somebody that can support them during their pregnancy or birth in person, I feel so much better about that if I can refer them to somebody who I know has done the
0: work. So that's how people can work with me. Thank you again so much for listening to The Birth Worker Podcast. If you want to connect with Michelle, you can do so on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is fat and pregnant, and I'm going to go ahead and link that in the show notes. You can also check out her book, which is an amazing book. You can grab it on her website or on Amazon. It is called Fat Birth, Your Guide to Everything Plus Size Pregnancy. And again, like you heard, Michelle is growing an amazing community. So if you know anyone who would benefit from Michelle's mental mentorship or courses or just being in her world, please send them her way. And also, I told you that Michelle is in our community. So I have known Michelle for a couple of years, and I was lucky enough to have the honor of having her join our community. And so if you have been thinking about jumping into the Birth Worker Community Membership, which is my coaching community, if you've been thinking about writing a book or growing an online business or expanding your doula business, any of the above, then definitely come check out the Birth Worker Community Membership. Membership. And if you've been a long-time listener, you know that if you join any of our core programs, which would be our business program, the dualpreneur Method, our doula training program, which is Birthworker Academy, or our Childbirth Educator Training Program, you actually get one year inside of our community coaching membership for free. So there are so many options, no matter what you're looking for. So please just head to the show notes or birthworker.com to learn more about all of your options. And of course, like always if you have any questions just shoot me a dm on instagram i am in my dms every single day having conversations with other doulas or birth nerds or aspiring doulas just like you and i would love to become your friend become your mentor and really just help you find success whatever that looks like to you All right. Thank you so much for being here. Do not forget to hit subscribe. So you do not miss a single episode. I will see you right back here on Friday for another three and 15 episode answering all of your best questions until then have a wonderful day.